Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Justin, welcome in. Rusty, very special guest, Mr. Rusty Truck. Thank you for being here, sir. And thank you so much for having me, Goose. Justin. Thank you for being here. We are going to have a great show today. Uh, Rusty, feel free to say anything you want to during the show. Uh, There is no, no censorship, nothing like that. Sometimes we do drop the link. Um, we may do that today. If so, there is one person, possibly two, that you you will not be welcome on. So if you get backstage, you're wasting your time. So uh, <laughs> hint, hint, Joe. Just uh, just uh, keep that in mind this morning. Um, how's everyone doing this morning? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Uh, feeling all right. I already had some coffee. Getting hydrated. Feel pretty good today. And you so ended productive uh, day. You ended your live last night. It was it. Uh, it, it was after midnight, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. I think it was maybe one thirty. Okay. Right. So, and look at that dedication, Justin. Still up early this morning. Uh, he didn't message me and be like, "Hey, I've got a piano lesson and a vasectomy. I can't make it in today." Yeah. I, look, I, I'm still sore. Oh, we I actually got an email piano. about that. Yeah. Uh, it's it was it was a long day. Oh, yeah, we actually got an email about that. I do want to say good morning really quick to people in the chat and go through some of these. Uh, before we get started, uh, Hillbilly, okay, uh, I'm here. Good morning, Jessica. Or, I'm, I'm sorry, Christy. Uh, good morning to you. Uh, Shout-outs to uh, Gina, Cody, um, I, guess the, I guess the Reverend Billy Joe Farnsworth. We'll have a special announcement about him um, in – just a few minutes. Um, he left us another voicemail, and uh, I'll let Justin tell us about that. Uh, good morning to Gregory, Mister Bowling Cox. Good morning, sir. Damn Yankee. Good morning. Uh, Snark and Sass. Good morning, uh, Miss Vicky Newman. Very good morning to you, madam. Thank you very much for being here with us this morning. Good morning, Mud Digger. Uh, let's see, uh, Neville 615 Oatskin, good morning, sir. Welcome in. Thank you very much for, uh, joining us, uh, this morning. We're going to have a great show. If, uh, you guys are fans of wrestling or, uh, any type of, uh, mystery type content, I won't case, I, I won't say conspiracy theories or, um, or what, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, Rusty or Justin with the, uh, the whole the whole community that solves mysteries on YouTube. Um, oh, the true crime stuff. True there. crime. <laughs> I'm not going to use that word. This is not one that's about. 
Uh, I will give you a disclaimer before we do start talking about uh, Mr. Uh, Frank uh, Goodish this morning. Uh, good morning, Sean. Uh, let's see. Uh, Slayback, good morning. Uh, hopefully, uh, Slayback, uh, you and Christy had a uh, wrench show up. Good morning, Lucy, show producer Lucy. Welcome in. Thank you very much again, Lucy, for uh, filling in with the email part last week. Uh, so thank you very much. And uh, you may have noticed really quick, and uh, Rusty, I'll get your uh, thoughts first because you're the guest, and then Justin, I'll ask you. Kind of a new um, Here to Chew Bubblegum 2.0 entrance video uh, with the animated AI pictures of me and Justin. Um, what was your thoughts on that? Did you did you get a read along? I mean, I know you'll probably have to go back and pause to read some of it, but what was your thoughts on that? I missed. I, I okay. honestly missed it. Okay. So I, I mean, I won't uh, won't BS you on that one at all. I just kind of missed it. So I will definitely go back and look at it and give you a uh, and, and give you a, a feedback. Well, yeah, it. I would definitely love that. I will. I will say that I was enjoying the um, the Clay Davidson song. That's a blast yes. from the past. Right? Yes, it is. Now I actually thought about putting that at the end of the Bruiser Brody uh, clip uh, mm -hmm. because you know that entire video, you know, is about you know wrestling and so forth. But yeah. the more that I watch the Bruiser Brody clips, I'm like, this song has to be played during because it just it just kind of fit, you know. So yeah, it uh, well. Uh, there, I remember the song. It's kind of one of those ones that I've forgotten about. And here's kind of a um, a semi personal tie into that. So uh, Wildcat Chris Harris is in that yes uh, video, and he is actually uh, from a territory that was around where I live. Uh, it was called the NWF, and he came up out of this territory. And we used to go and see this guy like Friday night. Him as uh, a well as well as uh, the wrestler known as Abyss. They oh, come out of there. That uh, is awesome. Yeah, and um, the Abyss was, uh, he had a much, much different gimmick. He wasn't uh, in as good a shape when he was wrestling here, but that guy came and went and did some big things out of this. And I'll tell you, a little podunk uh, dive bar really is what it was. And they just set a ring up in there on Friday nights, and these guys would go in there and, and out of there. And it was a big deal at the time for Chris Harris to get uh, that cameo in that video. So it was a pretty good deal. I always love the video. Uh, I did wonder after how Jerry Lawler did end up in it because uh, – and I'm going to call it the WWF. I mean, because that's what it will always be to me. Because they're okay. really strict about letting their people, like, be videoed or, you know, doing any kind of other stuff because that's the reason – Justin couldn't get Mr. Eric Bischoff on camera back a few weeks ago, right, Justin? Well, no, it was um, no, it was um, Jimmy Hart. Jimmy okay. Hart said he was under. Chris Harris was there as well. Okay, so I yeah, guess Chris they Harris have a contract that, that uh, covers their likeness and things like that. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. The King Lawler owns his. That's why he more than likely why he's able to. The King well, owns his thing. Owns his. Yeah, they. Jerry the King Lawler, he owned it since the Memphis days. He was so gotcha. established coming in WWE. Those guys that are that established, they can hang on to it. You know what I mean? They can keep a contract because King was a massive star, especially out of Memphis, you know. And I, I'm assuming that when he come WWE, WWF at the time, like he was able to, to hang on to that. Well, you know, I always watch the, what was it, the C, the, the C, CWF out of Memphis. That was it, wasn't mm -hmm. it? Continental Wrestling uh, Federation. 
or uh, association, CWA maybe. I love that, that man. Jarrett's, I think Jarrett's was UWF, something like that, United Wrestling Federation. Something well, like that, that come later on in the 90s, I think, maybe. Or it was uh, USWA, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the one that uh, ended up global, ended up buying. Okay. Uh, good morning to uh, Little Mama Payday. Thank you very much for being here. Uh, if everyone can, please, uh, uh, someone drop her link and go at her profile. Uh, she had people mash report her account, and she actually lost it, and uh, she had to start a new one. So please go check her new one out and uh, show her some uh, love. Um, like, share, comment, subscribe. Uh, let's see, uh, Vinny, welcome in. Uh, I don't think I got to Vinny. Um, if I missed anyone, I am sorry. Good morning and hello, Chris. Uh, again, we are on uh, two different YouTube channels. We're on uh, Twitch. We're on a Facebook channel. And then the audio version will be dropping at 4 p.m., which you can uh, hear on uh, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Pandora. Um, let's see. What else, Justin? Spotify, Google Podcast, all the big yeah, major Michael platforms. Terrence, he he plays it just over the TV in his house unless people come watch it for a dollar. Who does? My cousin Terrence. Oh, okay. Well, that's an angle you haven't quite figured out yet, guys. <laughs> you didn't have that one. Yeah, it's like, no, How long has uh, Terrence been doing this? Terrence owes us some money if he's been charging people a dollar. Since since the day, even before I come on, since you guys started doing video. Oh, the only okay. two people showed up, my uncle and aunt, because they live there. Oh, okay. Got you. Got you. But now, if he gets a fresh batch of methane, usually <laughs> it'll pick up a little bit, and he can do a little bit better numbers, you know? Well, yeah. Right. Hey. Nobody ever stays for the whole show, but they, they, they pay the price of admission, right? <laughs> I don't. I don't say nothing. He he lost his he lost his eye during the Gulf War. So kind of he wasn't slide. in the war at all. Yeah. He didn't go See. over there at all. They were playing lawn darts back here at home. <laughs> but it was during the time frame that the war was going on. Right. Oh, uh, yeah, it's, it's probably probably best to clarify that. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. And uh, good morning, uh, Info Warriors. Well, uh, again, welcome everyone in uh, Third Eye. Good morning. Hello. Uh, so we'll, we'll go ahead. We are going to be calling Mother Goose here a little bit later. And what we are going to do is we are going to tell her that, uh, you know, we have uh, Rusty on and we're going to tell her that he is a wrestling historian and that I was telling, uh, him and Justin about her time in the mid eighties as a mud wrestler. She never was a mud wrestler, but I'm just going to see how she reacts to that. Um, I did talk to her. Uh, after the show last Sunday, and a big shout-out again to Mike 12 Point, um, she thought for a few minutes that he was a real songwriter and had wrote a, a religious song and put those sound effects in it. And she said, when I heard it the second time, then I realized that was exactly what I thought it was. And I'm like, well, you could have given your opinion. She's like, well, I didn't want to hurt his feelings. And... Uh, so, you know, I laughed over that. And she was actually afraid to say too much because she kind of thought it was a she kind of thought it was a joke, but she didn't really know for sure. So she's like, I just said I don't want to say anything mean, you know, or if I can't say anything nice. So very nice lady. <laughs> she's us, she really doesn't know when it's a joke most of the time because we're horrible people, so it could be real. <laughs> I, speak for yourself, man. Speak for yourself. So uh, horrible people. Yeah. 
Uh, let's see, Justin, you want to start out with some email? And Rusty, uh, feel free if any of this, you know, um, I can't remember exactly what it was. You know, feel free. Sometimes we get asked questions about world events or UFOs or whatever. Feel free to jump in and answer. So, all right, yeah, I'll do my do my very best if I have any knowledge on the subject. Uh, Justin, take it away, my friend. All right, this is from Train Man ninety eight. Goose and Justin, I wanted to reach out and share my recent experience with the show. Here's a chew bubblegum. Last week marked my very first time tuning in, and I must say it was quite the discovery. I stumbled upon the show on Pandora, and immediately it piqued my interest. Your dynamic and engaging discussion were like a breath of fresh air in the podcasting world. A few days later, I had the pleasure of watching the live stream, and I was even more impressed with the quality of the content and the chemistry between the two of you in earlier episodes. Your show manages to strike a unique balance between informative and entertaining, which is a rare gem in today's media landscape. Keep up the fantastic work, and I'm looking forward to becoming a regular listener. Uh, thank you for the great content, Goose and Justin. Train Man 98. <clears throat> your check is in the mail, Train Man 98. <laughs> oh, and... <laughs> Him. He just has really shitty taste. <laughs> we have nothing to do with that guy. Well, thank you very much, Trey, man. That means a lot. Um, I used to follow and track and stream uh, Pandora. Um, that's something I've not done in at least six months. But what I liked about that app, if, uh, you know, they would show you the exact – they would had a map of the United States, <clears throat> and they would show you the exact city you were listening – people were listening in and, like, how many were there. I mean, they were more or less – take you to the person's home that you could zoom in that much to see, you know, where they were listening at. And I always, you know, thought that was cool. So, uh, I need to go you check that out. Also Hopkins. What was that? I said you used to also hop trains, didn't you? Uh, I actually did that once when I was 15. So one time I wrote I it, uh, one mile, maybe. So, um, you went just a little bit digital. What was that, Justin? Oh, I, I think I'm one of us losing service here, and it very well might be me. Well, see, my little thing's not coming up that normally me? does. What? Yeah, oh, yeah, I can hear you. It so. might be me. Okay. Good morning, Michelle. Welcome in. Uh... Let's see. The next email comes from a uh, longtime listener, Dixon09. He says, Howdy, fellas. Dixon09 here. I missed you on the show last week. Justin, I understand a man has priorities, and last week's yours was a piano lesson and a vasectomy. Uh, Goose, last week's show was awesome. I looked 12 point up on YouTube. He's hilarious with the kind of humor that I love. The call to Mother Goose was great. That was so funny and sweet that she wouldn't say anything bad because the guy that wrote the song was uh, on with you. Loving the show now more than ever. Roswell, Dixon 09. Thank you very much, Dixon 09 and uh, Train Man uh, 98. So. Yeah, Mike, Mike 12 Point's a good buddy of mine, man. I enjoy his content uh, immensely. Like I said, it's never a bad time if you uh, you catch Mike live. It's always uh, it's kind of kind of an epic ordeal, man. He'll get sometimes three hundred and fifty people in there in the middle of the night, and I mean you probably never experience anything like it on YouTube. It's quite uh, quite that funny. I mean he's he's got such a 
uh, a delivery. It's kind of hard to explain, but yeah, you'd have to definitely check it out to to get what he's doing there. So yeah, twelve point is is hilarious. You know, everyone go check him out. And um, Hillbilly Lucy answered your question. Yes, we are on the Static and Noise uh, YouTube page on the Here to Chew Bubblegum YouTube page uh, on the Here to Chew Bubblegum Facebook um, on I think it's Here to Chew Bubblegum Twitch. Uh, I know if you are watching on Twitch, the comments are a little bit different and so forth, and uh, Twitter as well. Um, I don't know. Our OnlyFans, our OnlyFans comments don't show up here. I they didn't know we had an OnlyFans page. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, and you're streaming live to live OnlyFans, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> streaming live to OnlyFans. <laughs> you know something? I didn't. I mean, this is changing the subject up a little bit, but. If you guys have Telegram, you can now have a live stream on Telegram. Uh, I had no clue you could do that. I don't think you can send a Telegram anymore. I don't think well, it this is the app, not the actual uh, Telegram that you can. I'm unsure what Telegram actually is. It's like a <laughs> messaging what platform that's totally uncensored. You like open a... How would be the best way to describe it, Justin? You don't have a channel. You have a message board, basically, and you can post videos or links or whatever, and it's totally yeah. uncensored, uh, and you can even, like, uh, give it open where people can view it, or, you know, you would have to review and uh, approve them before they get in, and it's just an uncensored platform. Uh, okay. Uh, you, you said uncensored, so I, I get uh, – I guess my question would be as like, what would be the definition? I mean, is it just anything? Everything goes. I mean, everything you know. except you know, uh, people that like kids. Um, oh, that, oh, okay. Those okay. are. I mean, and it basically sprung up and got popular, didn't it, Justin? When uh, the letter and number disease came out. Uh, like what three years ago is when it started I getting popular. I don't know. I thought she was joking for a minute. Oh no, I I, uh, I uh, thought you had Telegram. So, I, you know what's possible? It's possible that I could have had Telegram. That's how. You know, I mean, we both know I'm not super intelligent. I don't have <laughs> no, very good but, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see, uh, Hillbilly. Uh, the other channel is uh, the Here to Chew Bubblegum channel. Uh, Lucy or Vicky or any of our other mods, if you could drop that link, that would be great. Uh, as far as links to the other platforms, I would have to go back and look those up. Uh, I don't know exactly off the top of my head what those are. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, and I actually have one. It's, I kind of forget about it, honestly. And I do feel kind of bad for the people that follow me on there because I did, you know, post a few things like, you know, inside personal stuff. Uh, and then I've not posted anything in quite a while, so. What? Yeah, I mean, what from what you described, I mean, hell, you might get uh, down the rabbit hole with that thing. Oh, well, I don't know what's going on over there, and I, I gotta, I gotta admit, my curiosity may, may get the best of me. Well, on yeah, that one. well, yeah, definitely check it out. You know, just Telegram is the, uh, I mean, and they have a lot of content. I mean, pretty much anything you can search for. I mean, if you, you know, there was a whole thing a few years ago, and Justin, you're well aware on this subject. The uh, Inger. Uh, Ingersoll Lockwood website had a bunch of hidden messages and stuff on it, and this was shortly after uh, what was that one guy that you liked, that programmer that made the uh, uh, antivirus thing? No You're a huge fan of his, Justin. 
You're you're not oh, really a huge uh, fan of his. I'm being sarcastic. The douchey, the, the douchey McAfee guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, but I'm like, not shortly He's after him, they should slaughter him. But oh, sorry. <laughs> shortly after he passed away, is when this website IngersollLockwood.com started putting out a bunch of stuff about going down the rabbit hole, and they would have like web di- different sections of their website, and you it would just have like one sentence, but you would click on and highlight and and scroll down with your mouse and it would bring up other stuff like hidden links. And they had, they had a countdown clock going for a while and everyone thought it was going to, I mean, you know, I had no idea, you know, uh, what it was, but we thought at the time there was more to it than it was basically just, just trolling people. I mean, in the end, that's obsessed with it. It's a money laundering. Well, well, if you go, I never plug. Top Junkie, and I always tell people not to listen to it. Go to YouTube, look up the Top Junkie page, and look up the two the two episodes I did on Ingersoll Lockwood. I invested weeks of my life on this, and and broke down. That's because I was so mad. I was like Goose. It was so interesting, and I found out about it from here to Chew Bubble. That's where I heard about it from, and I got so into it. And then I started tracking down who on the site. So I found their office building and what office they were in and who had it rented. None of the people running that site are American. None of the organizations associated with it are American, but they're taking donations for right-leaning American causes left and right. And people are ponying up the money and sending it in. And I broke it down. I mean, down to like one Indian company, um, owned a food distribution company down south, down in Louisiana or something like that. But they also owned a portion of that company. Like you could cross-reference the addresses and the phone numbers. Everything stacked up. That food pantry was some type of donation thing that preferred money over food. And like they are just dragging money out of the country. And I broke it down, phone numbers, addresses, Google searches, even called the company that was renting them. Their office, their big office in Washington, D.C., because they had a Washington address, is a building that rents out single office spaces to companies. I got the the floor they own. You don't really actually have a floor. Don't they just rent that? address so you can put it on your business cards and letterhead and so forth That's what this bunch done they yeah. took the lesser package yeah. the lesser packages you just get the address at one time they had rented a single room and i okay. found that room uh, and and showed the room and stuff but man when i put that up like youtube which i've always had a lot of trouble with youtube and like you tell me about that other site like i may have had something on this, because i've had youtube trouble and i'm not like i don't put out that's as deep as I got. It's probably the only conspiracy video I've ever put out, and I don't get into that stuff. I just had a hard time with YouTube, like something in the algorithm, and I don't think they were like out for me. I think it literally was a, a digital thing, you know, something in the algorithm. I always had a problem with it. So I never did really good on YouTube. On the actual audio version of that podcast is probably one of the bigger episodes I did with Talk Junkie, even though the video version is – I'm screen sharing the whole time. I take you from point to point, from address to address. And, you know, it's like it got buried in YouTube. And then I would get comments. And, and some of them are still up more than likely. If you're going like, 
people who were for, you know, people who thought that that was, you know, I, I think a lot of people thought Trump, who never said he had anything to do with it, had something to do with that. And, you know, they would come in and attack me. And then people, so I was getting it from both sides. And all I was doing was showing what this was. And the people that were mad at me, you know, I never said anything that they said I said in the video or thought I said. It. I don't think they ever watched the video. I think they seen it and just had an idea that this is the way he went with that. And yeah, I got hey, Justin, uh, where, where were you getting the feedback from as far as people being mad at you? Sorry to interrupt you. Um, the comments on YouTube were okay. Like, they weren't awful. Um, but that's where it started from is people coming back on there. And then people that had listened for a long time, like I would get emails from people that listened for a long time, were like, either I can't believe you'd fall for this Ingersoll Lockwood uh, hate propaganda, or it'd be like, I can't believe you'd attack such an American institution. I'm like, dude, I mean, you know, it, it was it was mystifying. Like I think a lot of people were. I don't think anybody really knew what it was. I just think a lot of people well, had opinions on. It. And, you know, he had had, like I said, a legit address close to the White House. He had had, like, the board of directors was like a, the head guy was like a retired general from the U.S. military. I mean, you could look at their board. Of, I mean, it was all legit people. And they owned a company, too, out in uh, Vegas, right, that tested jets or some kind of jet technology or something like that as well. But like, you know, Justin said, I mean, it turned out to be nothing. We eventually did get someone at that time. They were uh, with the company, um, and that and uh, his name was DJ Nicky, and he came on. He lived and still lives in Germany, and he would just talk a little bit about like what their uh, goals were and so forth. They wanted to like uh, make uh, America better, you know, uh, make sure kids don't go up, but don't go hungry. And when you would ask them how they would do that, they wouldn't give you an answer, you know? Um, and it was just, well, I, it, it was fascinating for a while, especially because Ingersoll Lockwood, that was the name of the company. That was the name of the author from the late, uh, 1800s that wrote the book, uh, the next American president and the adventures of Baron Trump. So, you know, it had a little like time travel element to it is, as uh, well, as weird as that sounds. Yeah, I, I mean, I could definitely see where that could get buried uh, by the algorithm here on YouTube, especially like the way that Justin described it, that he was screen sharing and not, it was not really a conspiracy theory. He's showing you a map. Right. You know, uh, yeah. from what I can understand, and you're going step by step and you're really opening some eyes on some things. Yeah, I could see where you could start to <laughs> start to get in trouble on here with that. Uh, but yeah, that's interesting. So it did very, very well on other platforms that didn't have yep. that. And, and here just, uh, you know, nothing. So, okay. Yeah. But I, I wonder also that it, it, like, I don't think it done well on other platforms because people enjoyed it as much as people, because I think I had a lot of crossover people from here to shoot bubblegum at that time. Like I was on with DJ Nicky, but at that time I was on as a guest. So I didn't tell him the stuff I'd found on him. I didn't say the stuff I knew about him. One time during a break, I asked him about where he had formerly lived and his neighbor there, and he verified that. So that told me I had been looking at the right person. Um, and I never asked him why he has, not willingly, has to live out of country. I, I never got into that because I was a guest. 
And I, you know, I, you know, I would not do goose in the hey, well, I, I still told you to ask away, man. So. You did, you did, but that wasn't my place. And and you know, so I would definitely like to speak to him again. Since you know, right after I did that, because I don't have, didn't at that time. Uh, I did years back, but I don't have a very big audience with the other podcast. I had an interview with the guy that was, um, I can't remember his name now, but I had an interview set up with one of them guys. And and to be honest with you, the backlash from just covering it was enough for me to realize people don't always listen to your content. They kind of just look at the subject. And if they have preconceived notions about the subject, they'll send, they don't care to send you an email or give you a bad review or something just because they don't agree with the subject. Even if you may not agree with something, you know, even though you guys might be on the same page, some people won't even take the time to listen. So I, I'd turn down the interview with that guy and, and didn't, didn't go into it. And I'd spent, oh, you know, I'm not a professional internet sleuth. So I'd spend a lot of money buying different, um, you know, monthly subscriptions to, this and get this public record and that public record. And I was like, I'm going to get obsessed with this because I always wanted to be like a journalist. I was like, I'm going to get obsessed with this if I don't stop now. So I, I stopped. I got, I said what I wanted to say and got that piece out and, and I stopped. I don't, yeah. I don't remember the episode number, but you know, I do feel kind of bad because the last time he was on, uh, Justin was on and uh, let's see, uh, Patriot Mama was on as well. Uh, she's a big TikToker. Uh, you know, that speaks up for uh, children uh, that have been using and sex trafficking and other crimes. She was on. Someone else was on. We had about four or five people on, and it's like we started talking about Ingersoll Lockwood, and this was DJ's second or third appearance on the show, maybe a second. And uh, it's like we kind of piled onto him. You know, we just kept popping questions off to him about the company he worked for. And, uh, you know, then I'm, and I do feel kind of bad, you know, because I, you know, uh, because we did that, but um, I don't think he knew. I don't think he knew who they were. I, I I have my questions about him personally, and I think there's some proof there about that. But I don't think he knew who they were. But with like Patriot Mom and them, their thing was, and it was a lot of those people gave me flack after, and then some of those people were all aboard with my video. And like I said, it, it was a lot of people making their own thing out of the video I made, but. They had they just went to all these QAnon links. They they were linking all this to QAnon, and to be honest with you, that's exactly what I thought it was, and, and that's exactly how it was presented. Difference is, it is an Indian, not an American. An Indian, almost complete, like their board of directors. The few people that actually had anything to do with Ingersoll Lockwood were just paid representatives. The majority of them had nothing to do with the actual company, and I can't remember the company now that owned it. They were preying upon these people who had very right-wing leaning tendencies, and they were making this site that looked extremely patriotic, and they were funneling money out of, com out of country. And some people were so invested in it that they felt like I was attacking something that they loved, and then other people felt betrayed by that. So I got both. Like I said, I would get hate from the same group, but I'd get love from like, it, it was a weird thing. It, it was, it, I don't think I explained it well enough. Could have been the issue. I, I have that problem at times. Oh, well, I, I completely get it. It sounds like a lot of these people that were funneling uh, money to these ambiguous causes that they would, f you know, feel good causes. They're getting some fulfillment for it. They felt attacked with your, uh, you know, exposure of it. You know, they, they could flip on you. And then they got the other side with the whole QAnon thing. Uh, they can they can get very, uh, get real crazy real quick. 
Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I can definitely see where uh, it could be a polarizing issue for some people. Oh, well, we're going to go ahead and give Mother Goose a call, and uh, then we'll, when we get done with that, we'll let Justin tell us about the latest uh, B.J. Farnsworth, the Reverend, I guess so-called Reverend, uh, voicemail that he left that we'll try to play next week on the show. And then we're going to jump into uh, Bruiser Brody. So, um, again, we're giving Mother Goose a call. Uh, let's see. There we go. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm all right. I got your text. Um, We were in the middle of a discussion. We are great. Um, You've got me. You've got Justin on the show. And then we have Mr. Rusty. He is a wrestling historian. Good morning, Mother Goose. Good morning. How are you? Very, very well. Hopefully yours is uh, doing as well as I am this morning. So. I'm doing okay. Now, um, we were, we, you know, we've been talking about wrestling, and I, you know, you know, I was a huge fan growing up. Oh yeah. Okay, and I was telling them about the time. I don't remember if it was '86 or '87 that you got into mud wrestling. You would uh, take me to my grandparents on weekends, and you would pack a bag, and you would go to Lexington, and you would mud wrestle at these titty bars. Can you tell us a little bit about that? David, that's not funny. What? What? I told him not to do it. I said that's not funny. No, Justin told me to do it. He wanted to hear more about it because he's a nosy little pervert. No, ma'am, I did not. I knew the guy that managed you, and he told me that you were not proud of those days, and he didn't want to talk about it. And I told Goose to leave it alone, that Mama Goose hasn't heard from me in weeks, and I wanted her to be happy when she heard from me. Well, yeah, yeah it's, it, we're so a very open-minded crowd. That. I mean, it's feel free to, uh, I mean, it, no one's going to judge you. No, we love you no matter what you did, Mama Goose. Okay, thank you. I love you all, too. What was your um, uh, stage name when you did that? Um, I forgot what it was. You might remember. Uh, let me ask you, do you remember? <laughs> I was waiting on when this. You, when you were younger... And um, you got mad, and you said, let's wrestle, Mommy. Yeah, and and you uh, beat the shit out of me, and and I was like five years old. That's really something to brag about right now. You are crazy, David. (laughs) I did not say that. You thought, see, you was about 13. I was not 13. (laughs) I was like 11. Well. Seven, maybe. Excuse me. You was 13. You was around 13 years old. And you thought that you was a big man. And um, you said, I bet I can beat you wrestling. Well, now, in all fairness, I was a lot taller than you at age uh, 13. Well, you might have been. But uh, you was trying to get me to the floor with your leg moves, you know, like putting your foot (laughs) and all that. And, uh, well, honey... I showed you, and I I got you down, and I I I told you. I said, "Now who can who can wrestle the best?" Well, let's now. wrestle right now. I'll I'll come over there and kick your ass, old woman. What do you think about that? I still I got five dollars on Mama Goose. What? David, Justin said he still you. had five bucks on you, Mom. I think Mama I, Goose could take I, me I, and you both. I think I could. 
I feel pretty good. Mama, <laughs> I'm not coming, Mama Goose. I don't want to fight you. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. No, but uh, Goose was a delinquent child. I was not a delinquent child. I was a good mm-hmm. child, right, Mom? Um, Mom, did you hear me? <laughs> I heard you. He heard you. <laughs> no, uh, I wanted you because you said you found it a little bit odd last Sunday with Justin uh, getting a vasectomy on a Sunday. So I wanted you to ask him about that. And then I wanted you to I'm talk to Rusty as well because Rusty uh, is a great guy. He's a uh, successful uh, YouTuber. He is like a, he does different shows. He does like a podcast and then he does shows where he talks about. Uh, pardon the term, people that are pieces of shit. So, uh, so now you you didn't you didn't believe Justin right when he left me that message and bailed on me last week. No, I didn't believe him. You, uh, Justin, he, tell he's her. right. I was scheduled for. I had piano lessons. I was at piano lessons on Sunday, and I've not been able to go. I started them at the same time I started with Goose, and so. I had the vasectomy scheduled for Sunday because where I work and work out of town a lot, I'm not home much. So I thought, okay, I'll get my first piano lesson out and the vasectomy done all in one day. I go to the piano lesson first. Guy goes, hands are too small, so I can't play piano. So then I go to the vasectomy and they're like, they're too small. We can't get in there and do anything. And I'm like, okay. And the doctor's like, look, the chances of anybody actually allowing you to have a kid with them is very, very thin. So you should probably be okay, you know. Set on your cell phone as much as possible in tight underwear. And so I did have both scheduled, but I didn't I didn't get to do it. <laughs> well, you know what? See, you all get time to write all this down. Or to know what you're saying. No, ma'am. And we do not just no, no, this is all spur of the moment. It'd be a lot better if we wrote stuff down. Goose tries to make me be professional and plan stuff, but it doesn't work. Now, we have someone in the chat that just gave us five bucks. Hillbilly, thank you very much, Hillbilly. Thank you very much for that. He's got five bucks on you that you will win. Oh, wow. Thank you. When, yeah, we're, getting, we're getting some steam under this one here, so we, we may have to make it happen. Well, yeah. When BJ has the boxing match. Oh, there you Mama, go. You're into religion, you Mom. Wrestle. You and Mama Goose could wrestle that night. Who? Not, not, no, dude. She's a 60, yes. almost 70-year-old lady. I don't want to wrestle her. She beat your ass. No, yeah, she, she, she wouldn't beat my Mama ass, Goose. but I mean, I think she you know. I think she would I think I could, I could get David. If I, I did steal. beat your ass, that's nothing to brag about. And then if I got my ass beat, that's nothing to brag about. There's there's no winning scenario for me in that. So yeah. if I could if I could beat my mom, I'd brag like I know my mom could still take me. So I'm honest about it. I think it would be a good match. You and Mama Goose, and then BJ and and uh, no, um, no 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 um, and then oh. Tiny Cox and Bowling Cox wrestle. You got three great matches. We got our own event. Yeah, you got an undercard, main event. Everything's ready to go with this one. Yeah, and you could work this up and sell the story of the moral dilemma. So yeah, it'd be great. Oh yeah. (laughs) Wow. My sister Jessie is into wrestling. Mm -hmm. She goes to a lot of places and watches wrestling. Now, are those places uh, appropriate that you can mention on the show? 
Yeah, but I forgot what they were. Yeah, because um, she takes her little Bowie. Peppermint Rhino. She, she, I've been, we, we both watched a match at Peppermint Rhino. I know that. There was a, she went to see this uh, man wrestle. And um, he, uh, he died not long ago. You all might John know Holmes. who he is. Terry Funk. Yeah, Holmes, right? That was him. Was it Terry yeah. Funk? Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Where yeah. did Terry and both died? Where did she see him at? I didn't know that. Um, yeah, it was uh, Louisville. Okay. Maybe. Now that's in Kentucky, right? Yes. Okay. Barely. No, Arizona, David. I didn't say Arizona. That was Justin. She was thinking Arizona. Oh, she think could she could see which that was not me, Mama Goose. I'm sorry. Yes, it was. Was him. he also? He always a fibber. Even when he was little, did he fib a lot? Well, dude, it's jokes. It's skits. It's not fibs. It's skits. <laughs> see, see, that was David. That was David. He Thanks for using my real name, Mom. Right. I love that Racine. So, <laughs> the <bod. laughs> Well, I'll call you from now on. I'll call you uh, D. Well, no, 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 you don't. You, you can call me David. That's fine. Yeah, it's too okay. late. You can't honestly okay. say it now. Uh, she, she said it like 50 times in the past, right. Rusty. Right, yeah. It's a big well, you just said his name. You just said you his name. name. If you want to say it, you can say it. Uh, Justin, no, she can't, man. She can't. No. no. Well, what's the difference in me saying your name and you just said Justin's name? That, Justin well, I, goes I, I, by I, I, Justin on the show. <laughs> I go by Goose. You, you I've I'm introduced myself to people for years as Goose. Oh, you know this, that right? Huh? Yeah. Well, oh, okay. Oh, well, well, you know we've got some very funny. We got all kinds of funny stories on Mother Goose that we could tell if we wanted to. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh no, You're I'm funny. serious. I am oh, serious. Honey, I've got. And David, honey, well, I Well, Mom, it's been nice talking to you. You have many. a good morning. I've just got as many. See, I've got just as many on you. I sure do. No, 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 you don't. But, you know, again, Mom, thank you for answering this morning. Thank you for being the smart ass that you are. Uh, I love you very much. But I did want you to uh, uh, meet Rusty. Um, like I said, I think a lot of Rusty, and I wanted you just to, just to uh, tell him, you know, that uh, you know you were into mud wrestling. I am not into mud. Well, you're not now because you're ugly. But back then, when you were pretty, you were. I think oh, Mama Goose is very lovely. That oh, was a horrible thing to see. Oh, she knows that I'm joking with her. Uh, and, and when I you're when you're ready believe. to when you're ready to talk about it, Mother Goose, I I'll be happy to come back on uh, again. As as okay. stated, I am a wrestling historian, and what you did by uh, using his actual uh, given name is in in my understanding would be called a a shoot. And when he's yeah. trying to do a work and you're shooting on him, uh, it's you know it's probably. Uh, it's, it, Oh, what it's, he just said to me is worse. It's it's fine. Whenever you're ready to talk about this, <laughs> I'll be happy to come back and uh, you know we we can get into it. Okay. You can tell he knows stuff because his voice is like the perfect voice for podcasting. Well, yeah, see, man, that, that, that I, I, I mean, goose. I told you that right off the bat. So, um, 
But uh, thank you, Mom, again. Uh, but there is a reverend going to be coming from Georgia. Uh, if you want to hang on, Justin is going to tell us about this. And you you, you may want to meet this reverend because you're into the Jimmy Swagger type preachers, right? No. Well, you used to be. I'm into that. Yes. Right. That was a long time ago. Okay. Uh, you know what I'm into? What? I'm into Jesus. Okay. And you know what? You need to uh, get down on your knees and ask him for forgiveness. I, I do every single night, Mom. Jesus. Not, not the guy, the double quick Jesus. I agree with Mama Goose. I, I what? think. What the hell, Justin? This guy that. The guy's from Mississippi, and and that, I, I think Goose does it on purpose because it irks him. And every time he says Georgia, this guy sends me fifteen emails saying it's Mississippi. This guy, Georgia, man, it's it's all the same, man. It's in the South. It, it is. <laughs> you shouldn't say. That. Uh, Billy Joe Farnsworth is not a good human being at all. There, he. I don't care how many churches he's run. I don't care how big a preacher his daddy Jimmy Lee was. I don't care how big Bible M one was and how big Bible M two is going to be. I don't care how much money they make at the New Life Church of God, Guns of Freedom. It he is not a good human being. See, Guns of Freedom. You know about you know that's 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 that is a badass church name. That's something like I could feel good about sending them money for no good reason. (laughs) Same here. Same here. And about 15 times today, he don't care to ask for money. He's wanting to box a fan of the show. The fan of the show rightfully does not like this guy and wants to knock his block off, which I'm 100% behind. And so it, this guy's offering my 500 bucks if he can beat him. I'd, outside of probably being beat up in jail, because he has a pretty extensive record. Um, I follow him on Facebook, and every time he turns around, he's off Facebook because he's in jail. Um he's willing to take the fight and this guy's going to murder him and I, I'm going to love it. I, it. Me and Goose have talked about it for weeks. I'm so pumped. But Billy Joe is a, a there was a podcast uh, whose name we won't mention because they got their self eradicated and taken off. They got all their episodes pulled. They were as rough as a podcast can come and they had it out for your two bubblegum or Talk junkie for spooky family for every podcast that we because this preacher, somebody in his congregation had brought him a copy of the show, let him listen to the show. He didn't know what a podcast was. So there actually was guys in Georgia, Georgia, sorry, Georgia, that he got linked up with who were the most vile human beings I think I've ever heard in my life. There were three of them. And so they just start. I mean, we get videos, we get this stuff. Well, they probably rightfully so, are incarcerated by this point. But Billy Joe Farnsworth never quit, and he just kept sending this stuff and kept sending this stuff to talk junkie forever. So I quit responding. Now he's sending this stuff to hear Chew Bubblegum. And uh, he, he's, a, he's, he's a horrible human being. Uh, he's here every weekend, uh, just about on the show in the chats. He's been in the chats all day today. Now he's even got uh, the logo in his, as his profile picture, and he, and he, and he hates us. He I don't know. Really I, I think he is. I think it's a matter of he wants to use it to make money. And that's that seems to be what he wants to use everything for is to make money. Now, him and Bolin, who is a guy that's me and Goose know really well, he was at the Comic Con with us. He's on the show a lot. Him and Bolin have went at it for years. And uh, 
Bolin despises him, rightfully so. And I can't tell if he loves Bolin or hates Bolin. I've not figured it out yet. Probably a little bit. (laughs) But would you like to meet this jackass when he comes in in October from Mississippi? So He's coming in the studio, right? Well, possibly. Maybe. I don't know. Um, He did say that if I let him come in the studio, he would... Uh, donate some money to people in need, so I may, you know, bite the bullet and let him come in for a few minutes. Maybe not a, a, an entire show, but I may let him come in studio. So I just checked my schedule. I got to be off that day. Yeah, right. Got to be off. You're not going anywhere, buddy. You're the yeah, one that that told him I'm about us on Talk Junkie. So I'm not having him on that. I've done told him no fifteen times. Uh, yeah, mom. But we, 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 would you like to meet this reverend? No. Why? Well, he just don't sound like my. God of tea. says you should not judge people. Why are you judging people just based on what Justin said? You're accurate. I'm not judging. I am Did you not hear Justin? He no said that one. I was accurate. Uh, accurate. No. no, you're accurate, Mother. Just imagine. Oh, Mother. Joel oh, thanks a lot, Steve, man. If Joe Osteen preached out of a do you like Joe Osteen? That's that's what you uh, got. That's the one that has the big stuff. mega church that wouldn't let people that were oh, yeah. displaced uh, in the church because he didn't want to get the new carpet muddy. Uh, do you like him? Uh, I didn't know that he done that. Yes, he I did. Mean, I'm just, I just uh, believe in Jesus, and um, see, see, I'm will not say bad, anything bad about anyone. Uh, well, maybe a few people, but she, she wouldn't publicly say it. I'm thankful. Like, so. I'm thankful for everything that I have, and I just put up with David because he's my son. <sighs> See, there it is. You are a very Aww. special lady, Mom. I love you, really, seriously. And I've always, I've always supported David in <laughs> anything he has done. I, I have, and. Uh, even, a, even when he uh, was doing gay porn, you no, were oh, no, oh, no, that now, no, that shit never happened. My parents turned, my no, parents turned no. on me. Minute I that was my brother Travis. Goose's parents stayed with him, you know, and 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 I mean, I have a lot of respect for Mama Goose after that. Suck one, and they, you know, they're disappointed in you, but not Mama Goose. You know, Mama yeah, Goose so is she, been right there. She's a strong woman for sure to to yeah. be able to hold her head high through that one, yeah. And to hold David up, he's been short most of his life, so she's got to hold him up for beating stuff and stuff. <clears> time, so she's... <laughs> uh, but I'm like a foot taller than my mom. I'm like I was like almost two feet taller than my dad. So I'm I'm pretty lucky, man. I'm pretty blessed. But all jokes aside, seriously, you know, my mom had me at a young age. She was 16, um, and she did a great job. She did because I always felt loved. Uh, she spoiled me. Um, she was so OCD about me getting dirty that I was OCD for a little while when I was younger about getting dirty. I hated dirt. I thought it could kill me because that's what she instilled in my brain. So, but she did a great job. You're you're a great mom, and I'm very blessed to be able to call you my mom. Yeah, the fact that you didn't work out doesn't mean she failed. It. I mean, she did a great job. Didn't you work didn't, out. Yeah, right. Yeah, you didn't get up to the. the I've been a failure my whole life, my first. Yeah. I'm to have David as my son. He's a very, 
he's a good man. He's got a kind heart. He's giving. He's um, he sees the good in everyone. Well, almost really everyone. Does. I'm I met a guy back in April that there's no good in. So, but you know, th- thank you very much, Mom. And that's you know because. Of you and uh, but you tried to you help, know, but you tried well, to help him. Didn't yeah, you? well, yeah, I did, I did. It didn't work out. See? So See, uh, he's you, you look, he allows me to come on every Sunday. He's got a big heart. <laughs> he's been lugging this anchor for about two months now, oh, dude. No, you do great. Uh, Mud Digger says hello, Mother Goose. We love you. I wanted to pass that along to you. Well, so. uh, Tell them that um, I well, love them too. They can hear you, so I, I don't have to tell them anything. Yes, yes. I want to tell I'm you that you. she loves you too. David, yeah. stop that. What? I, I was telling them like you asked me to. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> early in the morning. Okay. <laughs> All right. But you you have a good morning, Mom. Thank you very much for speaking with us. We're going to get off here and, and talk about a wrestler that was actually murdered in Puerto Rico. In 1988. Okay. Uh, okay. Oh, never mind. Oh wait, mom, mom, Justin has something to ask you. No, no, it was. Okay. I, there was somebody on here earlier asked a question in the chat, and it won't let me respond. Okay. Um, hmm. well, so I was looking at Mother Goose is not technical. She will not know anything about that. Uh, she called me one time to ask me how to turn her television set on. So. Oh, David. You, I mean, you did. You really did. Did I really? Yes, you did. I did not. I did not. <laughs> I don't remember that, David. Yeah. All right. Love you, Mom. I'll call you later. Yeah, Mother Goose. It was okay, uh, very you. nice to talk to you. Thank you for being such a good sport week after week. So. <laughs> um, it was nice talking to you also. And, Justin, it was nice talking to you. I love you, Mama Goose. I love you, too. Bye. Bye-bye. You See all you have a great day. And be careful when you're out driving. Well, we will. Thanks, Mom. Love you. Okay. Your fingers if it's, hey, Mom, I got something to tell you. If it's brown, flush it down. If it's yellow, then it's mellow. Oh, she hung up. No, I hung up on her. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was my mom, Mother Goose. So she's a sight. So, um. Yeah, well, we don't call her every week, but I called her last week, and I wanted to, you know, let you interact with her, Rusty, um, as well. So she's well. Thank you, thank you. She is a treat. So, and she's not ugly. She's you know, she, and she's not seventy. Uh, she's like sixty six, but to be her age, well, she'll be sixty six. She's a beautiful lady. So, I don't think she could take you. I think she probably could. I'll just be honest, man. I think she takes us both, but I don't. I don't wrestle anymore since the injury. Yeah. Well, we're going to move on to Bruiser Brody. Justin, do you need a bathroom break? If so, we'll go ahead and start out this topic. See, I knew that mm-hmm. arm was up there, man. That you needed a needed a potty break. Uh, do, do, you have, uh, do you have? Do you have pajama pants on today? No, look, I got Adidas track pants on. Oh, okay. Oh, hey, I've got a pair just like that. They're the most comfortable things I've ever owned. Well, I couldn't wear the pajama pants because if I had to get up to go pee where I've got all the cushion and stuff down there from the vasectomy, yeah. people would see it. So, you know. Okay. <laughs> oh, but uh, so you said you did have to take a bathroom I'm, break? Yeah, I'm going to go right now. Okay. All right. Well, while he's doing that, we're going to go ahead and open up and 
talk about uh, Mr. Frank Donald Goodish, uh, also known as Bruiser Brody. He was born in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, June 18th, 1946, and uh, he was an American uh, wrestler, uh, professional wrestler. He was also a football player, and he was tragically murdered on July 7th, 1988, or I'm sorry, 17th, 1988 in Puerto Rico. Rusty, do you remember when this came out, when this actually happened? Uh, I do, and uh, <clears throat> I was a um, pretty big wrestling fan as a kid, so to kind of give you a little bit of background on that, I was the type of kid that would go to like the local Walgreens and kind of page through the wrestling magazines at the time, right? And uh, not having money of my own at that time to like purchase these, I'd go through and read the articles and things like that. And, uh, you know, whenever you'd hear of a wrestler dying, uh, you know, things like that, especially with a murder. I remember uh, like Adrian Adonis had died in a car wreck before that and things just things I'm kind of playing back. Remember reading about, uh, you know, yeah, I, I do remember around the time that it happened. And it wasn't till many years later uh, to the age of the Internet. Right. That we kind of revisited the topic and had gotten uh, like all the information that's out there today as to what really had happened. Now, do you think that, and that's, you know, I said earlier, I was going to give a disclaimer. Some of this stuff that I may say, you know, there's no real way to verify what really happened to him. And honestly, my thought is we're never going to know exactly what happened because you can hear one wrestler tell one story and then one tell another one. And then you research that individual uh, wrestler. And I'm going to use Tony Atlas as an example who was in the locker room when this happened. But the way that he says how he responded, which is in a very heroic manner, some people say that that did not happen that way, that he was still sitting in his seat in shock when more people started coming in the locker room. Do you think mm -hmm. out of people that you've read about or researched or watched on the Internet, Rusty, who do you think would be the most credible uh, me, personally, I think that the story, even though this guy was not there, uh, the Raging Bull, uh, Manny Fernandez, the story that he has told, I think he would be the most believable based on what someone there told him. Hmm. Uh, I, I probably have missed the uh, Manny Fernandez uh, recount of that. Uh, I've listened to countless uh Interviews with uh, Dutch Mantel, Tony Atlas, um, those people that said that they were there. Uh, and I mean, so what was the biggest, I mean, I know that there's some discrediting of Tony and he can be a little theatrical, uh, but I, I mean, the way that this thing went out and the way that the, um, you know, not to get too far ahead in, in the subject matter, but the, you know, there's enough people that have kind of corroborated those um those, uh, the, you know, the whole towel over the hand and calling him into the shower and things like that. You know, I think that there, the truth lies somewhere in between, uh, Dutch and, and Tony's re, uh, recount of this. So my, me personally, I found Dutch much more believable than, 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 you know, Tony. Um, I would want to believe Tony's story. I mean, I really would because, you know, just the thought of, having that attack brutally on you happen of having a friend or a coworker or a loved one or, you know, 
somebody that cared for you there with you in some of your final moments. I want to, and that's why I want to believe Tony's story. Yeah, but it it does. I see where you're coming from. It's it is a little too convenient with yeah. his um, uh, his version of it, if yeah. you will. So, yeah. uh, Justin, what were you about to say? Oh, uh, well, the reason you trust Dutch Mantel more is the it's the it's the mustache. I apparently have looked at this situation much differently um, than you guys, um, or, or, or like than everybody. Like I didn't. I didn't know that there was ever any question to what happened to him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The issue was, um, well, I mean, there's, I mean, you know, he the court how the guy got off. I thought, well, uh, I, I, what did they do that wrestled him? The Jose guy, um, not assassin one, but invader, invader one, invader one. Yeah, that him and the promoter stabbed him in the shower, and that. The guy got off with self-defense, even though it wasn't. They didn't believe it was self-defense because they sent summonses to court that were for like the day after the court case actually had. Like I thought that was the side of it that, but I always thought they knew it was the promoters and that guy that done it that night. So I didn't know. Well, that book I was telling you about is the only book I've ever read, okay. and I, I thought I think that might have been by by one of his family members, and I thought that's just the way that it went down, and. After watching Dark Side of the Ring, I thought that was kind of like it's been so long since I seen it too. I got such a bad memory. I thought that's kind of what they were getting at. Like they knew when he come out, because like you said, me and you was talking before the show. The dude didn't like to sell for anybody. He wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, you know, let anybody beat him. He he didn't like to do that, and and he was bad, strong arm dudes in the ring. But now I think it was also a money issue, wasn't it, with with these guys? And as far as Tony Atlas went. I don't believe Tony Atlas really stood up and done anything because everybody was scared to death of these guys down there. You know, he, Pat Patterson had talked about it a couple times. You know, when Pat Patterson had that intercontinental bout down there, I think the fans about killed him with a bottle. But, you know, it's a rough place to, to compete. So I'm learning a lot from you guys because I didn't know there was question on that other side as to who done it. Well, not necessarily questions to who done it, but actually why they did it and who all was there and and what happened and so forth. Okay. Um, one thing that I did find, and this is more, I guess, of a police inside fact, was that this stadium, well, not, it was a stadium, well, uh, arena or whatever uh, you may want to call it. They played soccer there, and that was the you know how it was laid out. Um, built wise and so forth but they played soccer there and they were expecting such a huge and they had a huge crowd that when this happened it took the paramedics over an hour to get to the locker room to get to him now and, and like they had trouble moving him and everything yes because he was so heavy now there is some things you can find online and this may have come from tony atlas as well uh this part here that he helped pack him to the ambulance, you know, and by that time they got him in the ambulance, he'd lost so much blood. It was, you know, it was too late for him. Um, did, uh, you know that Rusty, that it took the paramedics over an hour? Uh, yeah, I had heard that. And like I said, we, we know we have to go between the accounts of it, right? Cause they differ slightly to, you know, some things, but yeah, there was, there, there was an issue also with, you know, the time that it took them to get there and how they were equipped to deal with something like that. Uh, you know, it, it is Puerto Rico, right? Not yeah. exactly a first world country. 
And, and then, you know, it'd be, probably be complicated even worse in 1988 with resources that were available to them and the kind of injuries that they would probably be on site to treat at a sporting event wouldn't be stabs, you know, like right. a big laceration like that, heavy blood loss. Uh, you know, yeah. So, I mean, the, the way it was laid out, you know, it was uh, kind of the perfect scenario and a little bit of what Justin had touched on is, you know, the, you know, we'll get into it, I'm sure, but the, the way that the trial went down and even to this day, it's hard to get anything from the, uh, Jose Gonzalez invader one that isn't, um, that isn't wo woven into a, a bit of a, a work right. when you're, when you're getting anything from this guy, like he won't speak on it candidly. He won't speak out, out of character. So, I mean, it, there's a lot to be said about that. And, you know, again, the way that the trial played out and where it took place and the fact that people after this happened, people were starting to, uh, they were very afraid for their own personal safety and they were fleeting por uh, Puerto Rico after it happened. Yeah. So yeah. they wanted to get the hell out of there because they didn't know what, you know, what all uh, these people were capable of. Uh, but we, I mean, not to get too far ahead of it. Well, you know, and you're, uh, there is a, and you can look online. I can't remember what website I found the picture on. There is a uh, photo that was taken of him with, um, you know, in action with Danny Spivey and uh, Abdul the Butcher. They were, you know, double teaming him the day before this happened uh, at another event. Uh, that was in Puerto Rico. And, you know, he was scheduled to face Danny Spivey at uh, this one as well. Um, I mean, there's no doubt that he was stabbed or sliced open his uh, abdomen. Uh, you know, some stories or, and, you know, articles, I'm, 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 I'm going to say articles that you can read say that, you know, his guts were on the outside of his body. Some don't mention that and just say it was, you know, uh, a stab wound to the stomach and then to the heart or near the heart. But, I mean, it was very, very brutal. And uh, one of the things that Manny Fernandez said, the Raging Bull, in his uh, video was that the promoter, which was uh, Cologne. Uh, Cologne. Yeah, Carlos Cologne. I that, believe that's his first name. That he, well... Uh oh! Give me one second. There we go. I was trying to start my camera back up, but uh, the reason that this happened was because he owed Bruiser Brody forty thousand dollars, and this is what Manny Fernandez told, and that Bruiser had been after him to get his money, and that the Jose guy had always had a problem with Bruiser Brody since the late seventies, nineteen seventy six, because of matches they had, and he stiffed worked and didn't sell. And that was one of his big problems. And he even made a comment, and I've got this down somewhere. Um, he made a comment to, uh, and I'll, I'll look for this in just a moment when someone else is talking, but uh, the Gonzalez made a comment to another wrestler that he would kill him someday. And mm. years later, you know, like uh, eight years later, you know, he killed him. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I'll hey, just okay, yeah, you froze up there. Go ahead. What were you saying, Justin? I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, like I said, it listed the Jose guy, but and I'd always heard that 
you know, the promoters in general. There were multiple people in that shower involved. And that part to me, you know, they may not have tried multiple people, but that part to me is is pretty believable. Dude was six, eight, three hundred pounds and had a reputation. Like, you know, he he had that that same reputation like Vader had in the ring of being super stiff, but he had a pretty big reputation out of the ring. Like he wasn't a dude that people messed with. And you know, I think because they got him on their home turf, they probably felt a little more comfortable. But I don't believe for a second that the Jose guy jumped him on his own and managed that on his own. I think Brody would have probably broke him down well, but, quickly. You know, if you've got somebody that has a – he had a knife wrapped. He was holding a knife and then had a towel wrapped around his arm. And that's how, you know, he concealed the weapon. And he asked him to, you know – and, and the, like I said, these are uh, reports – uh, from articles uh, that he asked him to step into the to the shower room to talk business, you know. Um, some claim it was just Gonzalez in there. Some claim it was Gonzalez and uh, uh, Cologne in there. Um, yeah, but I think the one thing that's that you really can't dispute is the fact that there was some pre- premeditated action. Oh there. yeah, yeah. You know, normally you don't find a you know any any kind of a, a blade in the showers, right? Right. Uh, in this guy, in from all accounts, he did conceal it. It was under a towel, and you know, from what Tony Atlas had said, or you know, he he said that as soon as he had walked around into the shower, you could hear noises happening. He thought yeah. they were fighting, and you'd have to, I mean, to kind of play that, you'd have to see that say that this thing transpired over the course of a few seconds, right? And everyone else is going to slow down and replay it and probably add things to it as it went, uh, as you're recalling it. But, I mean, the the biggest thing about all of that is that, that sticks out, and especially, like, again, I'll go back to how the trial and things played out, and this guy was able to get off with a self-defense claim, uh, largely to do with uh, them being in Puerto Rico, you know, I mean, it, the fact um, that Bruiser Brody was had the reputation of being such a shrewd businessman, like his his deal was he would go into different territories and work out deals with promoters. And there was also something that came out of the, one of the Dutch Mantel inter- interviews is that uh, Brody was uh, looking at investing in that particular uh, promotion that he was working at. And these people um, did not want him to be the booker. Hmm. When it, coming into that, and they were saying that that was a possible motivation for why they had took him out. That, so, that makes uh, a lot of sense, too, you know. Um, could you imagine, like, if he was born later, years later, okay, and he's the, the character that he is, but you've also got the uh, UFC. Could you imagine him being in the UFC? Uh, no, I, I don't, I, I really don't think so. I think that the UFC is kind of, uh, I mean, maybe in the very early days of it, possibly. Uh, but as we see like right now, uh, the way that the UFC is and how far it's, it's advanced, right. uh, we, we get a, we get a much better, uh, picture of what a, an ultimate fighter should be. Right. Right. These yeah. guys are, are, are a far cry from what, you know, a guy that's six, eight, six, ten, three hundred pounds. Uh, I don't think there, you'd have a hard time fitting him into a, a into a current weight class. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's definitely a physically imposing specimen. And going kind of uh, recall something, there's an infamous video of him. Uh, it's like a grainy old video where he no-sells everything from Lex Luger. Yeah. And, uh, 
<laughs> I mean, it's, and you know, you, you can definitely see, you know, or that, that, you know, I think Luger got so frustrated and or slash scared. He bailed out of the ring. Yeah. Match. Yeah. So, I, I actually jotted some facts down from that article that I found online that was uh, based on, you know, from the video. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And that was, uh, let's see, let me grab my notes really quick. Um, I mean, but uh, Lex Luger in, in, in his prime was big guy, big physical mm-hmm. fit guy, you know, former football player, same as uh, Brody. And uh, this was in the uh, Florida uh, Championship Wrestling uh, territory. He, uh, let's see, where was it? Oh, shit, I can't find it now. But basically, just like Rusty said, he was no selling everything. And he just stopped and stood in the ring and was staring at Luger and the referee. And somehow they, you know, Luger asked him, was, you know, was everything okay? And or maybe or he asked him backstage after this, did he do something wrong? And he's like, no, the match just wasn't working. And he said, I just went in it, it wasn't working. But right. so Luger, like, uh, Luger, Pushed the referee down to get disqualified, and that's how they ended the match. It was a cage match too, wasn't it, Rusty? Uh, it may have been. It very well may have been. And they uh, and they got the hell out of the ring because you know Luger. Yeah, he did. He he, he bailed out of it. And back to kind of like Luger coming onto the scene, uh, like the physical look that this guy brought to wrestling was not. Uh, not as prevalent as what you see today. Like this was the first dude yeah. with super low body fat, you know, I mean, it just jacked to the gills, man. I mean, there's, you know, nothing, you couldn't find an ounce of fat on this dude. And it was something that wasn't very uh, commonplace at the time. And, you know, I, I might venture to say, because, you know, Brody wasn't a, a big fat individual by any stretch of the imagination, but this new guy coming on the scene, uh, maybe getting a big head, uh, is, is arrogance following him around. Uh, maybe Brody wanted to show him, Hey, listen, you know, it's going to take two people to make this work to get you over. You know, it's not just what you're bringing in. So my, well, my view of maybe what would happen with that. You're right. That, that the body style of like Harley race and bruiser Brody and Abdullah, the butcher, that was, that was the look up until you really got Luger sting warrior, all those guys kind of at the same time coming that come into that eighties bodybuilder style of, of physique, but also Luger's never been known being a mat technician. Now, if you put Bruiser Brody and Abdullah the Butcher together, and that's some of my favorite matches of Brody, and and really seen most of those because once the network come out for WWE, there was more opportunity to watch different stuff, and like the internet has so many matches, you know that of, of stuff like that. And then I used to listen to a podcast done an episode called Territory Marks from time to time, and they talk about these guys, but Brody and Butcher. Is early ECW, it's early hardcore wrestling, and so there didn't have to be a lot of mat wrestling. Those guys were going to bleed, they were going, to, they were going to cut, and 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 you know it was going to be brutal. Well, that's not Luger style, all right. And then you you can't put him in against somebody like Harley Race, who it, it is a good mat wrestler, even though he didn't have to use it much. But he's also a brawler and and a guy known to be super tough. So that would work with Brody. You take Luger, he can't mat wrestle. He looks like a bodybuilder. He's not, you know, he made it based on his look. He's one of those guys that made it based on on his look, not his ability. And I could see Brody getting really irritated with that and and not not responding well, especially for a dude that don't want to sell to begin with. You really don't want to sell to a new guy like like Rusty said that's 
you know, built to the gills and, and doesn't seem to show a lot of promise talent-wise, but they were probably pushing him like crazy, you know, because of his size and his appearance. Yeah, definitely. And, it, yeah, and as you bring that up, uh, yeah, Luger probably had, what, a handful of power moves? You know, yeah. a clothesline, yeah. the torture rack, you know, I mean, maybe a few a few moves where he's throwing people around, but nothing nothing outside of that. So he stayed limited to like that. It, it's not me knocking a dude like that's just not my style. Like it, that's not I'm a huge wrestling fan. I'm a huge flyer fan. But, you know, Steamboat and Savage, Flair, like modern wrestlers. If you if you're only into modern, more modern wrestling, watch Christian wrestle. He's not a huge dude. One of the best sellers in and one of the best workers in the business. Like it's amazing what he gives to his opponent. And you take somebody like that that can really sell. You know, or, or somebody that's a really good wrestler. I get into that. The Von Erichs, you, you look, you had, um, you know, once, uh, Kev, was it Kevin that came into the uh, WWE as Texas Tornado? You had a big built dude. You had that a was uh, Curry, that was wasn't it? Curry. Curry. Curry, yeah. You had a, a bodybuilder physique on a one legged dude, uh, but was also a good wrestler. Th- those guys were good wrestlers. And, and you know, a guy like Luger, that limited, never really done it for me. And I, I, I could see that with, with Brody. You know, I could see – because, like you mentioned UFC earlier, I agree completely with Rusty. He, he's more of a Tank Abbott type guy. In those first mm-hmm. couple UFCs, you know, once Gracie had kind of stepped back, you, you know, those barroom brawlers could come in and with no weight class. And, you know, when people weren't training specifically for that, he probably could have done pretty good. But he, to me, would have been – a lot more successful in something like ECW, the way that Terry Funk and Mick Foley came in, really at the, what should have been the end of, of Funk's run, you know, and and before Mick really got the push he deserved in WWE, like I could see Brody coming into something like that and and being really successful. Uh, Paulie seemed to be able to deal with people that were kind of hard to deal with, and, and I could see him being successful in something like that. Yeah, he would have he would have got over big time in ECW with as crazy as that shit was, man. The guys jumping off of like the second deck of the balcony onto tables. Yeah. I mean, they were always upping it, and it was a great it was a great program to the point where it it was it didn't make it much outside of Philadelphia television wise until it had caught fire, and then you know whenever that had gotten bought out by WWE. Um, or WWF at the time, you know, the, some of these guys had started to integrate into that. But I mean, yeah. th- they had that cult following of this, the, the core ECW people, you know, which goes to say, I mean, you know, if you look back on it, I mean, I'm sure you can still find those episodes here on YouTube uh, of these guys and their wrestling style, man. You know, the fact that they were able to uh, bring that into a much, a much bigger promotion and still bring that following with them says a lot about what they were doing. And it was, yeah. I mean, a pioneer portion of, of wrestling in that day for sure. I was. I, I, I was Brody getting into that. I could. I could, like it. It fits. That fits more his style. And, and you know, because like Goose said earlier, I think he was ahead of his time in that sense. Like you didn't have Japan did a lot of that. I I would assume at that time. I don't really know. I got into that later on. But now with ECW, I I loved ECW. I loved. To me, the breaking of kayfabe. Even though I knew wrestling was fake. And, you know, the breaking of kayfabe and ECW is probably what killed wrestling for me because as much as I love ECW, there's no going back after that. Mm-hmm. And then, I, I, I don't know, wrestling, to me, there's there's something lost when they, when they broke kayfabe. 
but as big as that got, you know, they, they used Abdullah the Butcher. They used Foley. They used a lot of these older guys. If they'd have had somebody like Bruiser Brody, I think that that could have been a resurgence for him and his career, you know, at that time. Because he would have been an older dude at that time, you know, by the time they came up. But they used a lot of older dudes, you know. Funk was their champion for a long time at, a, at an advanced age. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's, you know, kind of sad. Terry Funk just passing away recently. Yes. Uh, I, I want to say I got to see Terry Funk wrestle one time. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, it was, I could tell you exactly where it was, kind of an infamous uh, pay-per-view was the WW, uh, or I'm sorry, WCW sold out pay-per-view. I want to say it happened in 2000, and it was the the same, he had wrestled uh, Kevin Nash there. And it was a, kind of a, a noteworthy show because it was at the same, it was the same show where uh, all, like the Filthy Animal crew, uh, all those guys had basically quit on the spot and went to WWE. That after that show, and it was it was kind of cool to be there. I mean, the the pay per view itself was a mess because they had a bunch of cancellations and things with it, like last minute. But at the very end of it, uh, it was where uh, Benoit had um, had beaten Sid Vicious for the title, and um, and then they had reversed it with a foot on the rope type thing with Arn Anderson as the referee and stuff. But uh, on the and the reality of all that was. Not to get us drug off into some sidetrack, but just kind of the the whole. Uh, I got to see Terry Funk wrestle at that, and uh, I was like, "Well, I'm glad to, glad that it happened." That guy seemed like he was around forever. Yes, you know, an icon for sure. Oh, he was definitely so. an icon. You know, and you can people that have met him have talked about how nice he was, and you know, just down to earth, and just you know, just just such a good guy. You know. Uh, yeah, he did it all. He was in movies and everything. Yeah, oh, yeah. He, yeah, he was really, really good. Yeah. Uh, really good role in Roadhouse. Yeah. Oh, yes, he and did. And I thought he did really good. I thought he did really he good. Did. The thing, I think the thing that maybe people, if you, if you didn't start watching wrestling until mid to late 90s and, and you really only know him from WWE or Chainsaw Charlie or whatever it was and ECW, go back because you're not, that, that's not a guy like some hardcore wrestlers, and I'm not knocking it at all. Some hardcore wrestlers are hardcore wrestlers because that's all they can do. Some guys are hardcore wrestlers because they enjoy it. And I really think he did. I think he enjoyed it because he was always in those death matches in Japan and stuff. But he was a good wrestler. Him and his brother both, they were great wrestlers. They were great mat technicians. They told a good story. They had great gimmicks. It, it, they were really, really good all-around wrestlers. And, they, you know, not many great all-around wrestlers embraced hardcore wrestling, you know, Traditionally, up until he really needed the money, this is my hero in life. Up until he needed the money and sold out, Flair never did hardcore matches. And only Dumb was talking bad about Foley, you know. Yeah. Uh, so most of those guys didn't embrace that. Now Funk did, and he did it well. Right. Um, well, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I want to click on this comment here that Third Eye posted a little bit ago. When Brody jumped into the crowd, they parted like the Red Sea. Now, that's absolutely true, and I'll touch on this in, uh, when we get to the part of the trial and stuff. But, you know, during the time that this was going on with Brody and when this happened, keep in mind, people still thought wrestling was real. They thought it was mm -hmm. real. So I just wanted to click on that comment and just keep that in mind for a, a little bit later here. Um, but, you know... I think Brody was way ahead of his time. Um, he he was a cutter. He was, uh, you know, 
the like the first fifteen years, you know, he was a cutter and he was like the top independent. I uh, read in uh, one of the uh, old uh, wrestling magazines uh, of the eighties. Uh, he was a top independent like draw money maker. Now he wasn't easy to work with. Uh, he did have, um, you know, problems with promoters and, you know, other wrestlers with stiff work, but at the same time, when a, when a uh, promotion was not doing financially good, he would go there and help. Then they, you know, some articles claim that he absolutely loved to do that. And when he was in, uh, world-class uh, championship wrestling. And he, you know, could have done this because, you know, he was trained by uh, Fritz uh, Von Erich, the uh, father of the of the family. Uh, he was also like a part-time booker and uh, television producer there as well, you know, uh, behind the scenes. And here's a nerd fact for you. In the opening clip that I used where he was, in, you saw him in like the second match facing a masked man, Texas Red. Texas Red is... The Undertaker. Uh, I mean, oh, you know, yeah. so that was The Undertaker in the opening bout, you know, when The Undertaker was first starting out. And uh, Texas Reds' manager was Percy Pringle, who later became Paul Bearer. Paul Bearer. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so old Mark uh, Calloway. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's just, just a little bit of nerd information for you. So, what was that, Justin? I seen I seen him live in Hazard when I was younger as me Mark Calloway. Oh, did WCW. you really? Okay. Yes. Okay. Now, see, I, I you know I went to one I think in Pikeville, and uh, you had Sting and Lex Luger, and Luger was a heel at that time. And after the show was over, I remember my aunt because she was like ten years older than me. I was like fifteen, sixteen, so she would have been twenty five, twenty six. She got pissed because they were Luger and Sting. We're passing a football out back after the show was over. I mean, hell, it had been over 30, 45 minutes. You know, she stood around talking to somebody. And when we go out, here they are in the parking lot throwing a football back and forth. And we get in the car, and she's like, that's some horse shit. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, because I kind of suspected that, you know, yeah, this is just all, you know, scripted. You know, these, you know, th these guys don't really do this. They put on a show. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like... They were just fighting at uh, each other, at each other's throats, going to kill each other. And here they're out here throwing football. I said, well, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, they're doing a challenge or something where, like, if somebody <laughs> drops it, they'll have to do it. She's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> so, that's how much it wants people to. Yeah. Um, Please go that's ahead, an interesting Rusty. Little, uh, yeah, it's an interesting little tidbit. I'll share something with you. Um, as as a kid, uh, I'd, I would go over to the Cincinnati Gardens and watch uh, what would be known as WCW or NWA at the time, right? And I, as you were saying that, I remember, uh, you know, in the vehicle we were riding and my parents were dropping us off and uh, looked directly behind us and it was Jimmy and Ronnie Garvin riding in a car together right there in front of the Cincinnati Gardens. That's awesome. So it was cool and I think it was at one of the times where they were kind of at each other's throats doing that. Yeah. And uh, it was it was cool to kind of see them outside of it and they're, you know, nice enough to wave. They seemed, you know, we were kids and stuff. And, uh, you know, I early on, right, you wanted to believe that stuff, right? And, I mean, you wanted to believe it was real. Yeah. And, you know, my, my dad was, you know, he, he would let me know. He's like, listen, you know, you see how big these guys are. The minute one of these guys hits the other one, you know, they're not going to have a match the next day. <laughs> there's going right. to be some lasting damage. So it's kind of hard to uh, ignore that that fact, you know, as to whether it was real or not. But, yeah, it's, it, you know, 
you, you have to make some concessions to uh, to enjoy the show with that. And I mean, sure, if you get to a certain age, your your reasoning abilities are going to lead you to say, hey, yeah, this has to be scripted, or, or these dudes are going to wrestle once and it'll be over. Yeah. So. <laughs> and uh, uh, that is awesome that 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 you saw them like that. Now my mm-hmm. my my dad's mom, and you know my dad. And his brother and sister, they were raised in California, you know, uh, up until their late uh, teen years. I think my dad was actually a sophomore or junior when he actually moved back to Kentucky. And uh, I didn't really know who this was at the time. I knew he was a manager. Uh, he wasn't doing much wrestling at the time. But I remember when my when they first got a, got a satellite in the mid-'80s, they would watch. I mean, they would watch all. I mean, some. I mean, they would watch the Florida stuff. They would watch. I mean, just these little territories that you would get on local TV and you know on their big, big, humongous uh, satellite dish. They would pick up, and that's all they would watch. So when I would go stay with them, I would love it, you know, because I'd be like, oh, I'm, getting, I'm going to get to watch wrestling, you know. Uh, some of these guys I've never heard of, I've never seen, and I remember seeing Ray the Crippler Stevens. And my grandmother, she's like, we know him. He lived beside of them in uh, Sacramento. And she said he was one of the meanest little kids ever was that his fa- his family was into uh, racing. Like his dad and like older brothers were into like racing cars. And he would race golf carts at the time because he would have been, you know, young, really young. And years later, I looked up, uh, you know, when the internet came around, Ray the Crippler Stevens, and started reading up on some of the stuff. And, like, he was huge for his time. And, like, you know, there was even a story in one of the websites I found about his family being into racing. And, uh, you know, him him being a, quote, hellion when he was younger. And I was like, oh, man, that you know, that was just really cool. But... Yeah, just some just some stuff to kind of uh, give you a different look at them in a more personal level. Yeah, right, outside of of the gimmick that they live, right? So, exactly. You know, and I've cool stuff, I, I I told Rich and Wade this. I think on a on a live I was on panel with them, and uh, it was 1985 or 80. I still got the ticket stub at home from the NWA, and I saw it at the Williamson West Virginia Fieldhouse. Black Bart, Ronnie Garvin, Terry Taylor. Uh, the Midnight Express with Jim Cornette. I mean, I, you know, that was that was when I first got introduced to wrestling. I knew what wrestling was, but I really, I didn't watch it until that first live event, and then I was instantly hooked. You know, I was just like, and from where you were sitting at, you know, you had the good guys locker room and the bad guys locker room, and it was it was awesome. I mean, that's that's something I will never forget. Um, I think the NWA was one of the greatest promotions ever. I mean, you know, it was not uh, cartoonish like the WWF was, which, you know, I loved Rowdy Roddy Piper uh, and the WWF, you know. I mean, there was just something about him. You know, when he would fight Mr. T or Hogan, you know, here I'm a little kid and I'm cheering for the bad guy, Rowdy Roddy Piper. But it just, there, he, he was just amazing. I mean, because he could talk, he could do it all, you know. Yeah, he had the charisma and the gimmick, and you and you loved to hate him, and you also wanted to, you know, you wanted to see him get over. And I mean, he was so convincing. Yeah, uh, it's it's a pretty good point, and I agree with you as far as the promotion promotional wise, because um, I mean, I think like my first exposure to wrestling might have been around 
84, right? So with the, uh, like the Saturday night main event that would, that would come on sometimes, right. They would always have, uh, you know, the WWF product at the time and it would come on and it was more along those lines. Like as a kid, you're like, okay, you're easily, you easily buy into the hype of whatever it was. But once you watch it, it's kind of like, uh, it's take it or leave it type thing. You know, you're not really looking forward to the next one. I didn't really get into it until I was exposed to the NWA product. And I mean, I remembered some of the, like the early stuff with Magnum TA, uh, Dusty Rhodes, one of my absolute favorites. I was so excited when they were bringing the war games to Cincinnati, you know, and to actually see oh, that yeah. thing, you know, as a kid, you know, double ring with a, with a cage all the way around it. And I mean, just all of your favorites going to fight in this thing. It was an exciting time for me as a kid. And I was like, man. I think they lost something whenever, you know, I mean, it started to obviously deteriorate, but I think they were really, I think those were the the golden days of wrestling for me with the, with those days of the NWA, even when that little bit later on, they got into the WCW thing with Turner and, and uh, you know, it still just wasn't the same. Oh, I, I think they, they lost. Something. Oh, I, I, I totally agree with you there. You know, I mean, that, that was, that was the glory days for me as well. You know, you had, uh, you know, Ronnie Garvin, you know, uh, I mean, you just had like, I mean, uh, Sam Houston. I, I don't think the uh, Italian Stallion ever won a live televised uh, match, or mm-hmm. George South, you know, or oh, the yeah. uh, the uh, <laughs> Monkey Brothers. The you monkeys, know. yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you, you know, these guys, the uh, the jobbers that the would jobbers. come out week, week, in, yeah, week in and week out, and just get thrown around in there. And he knew, you knew, you knew what was gonna happen. <laughs> there is, did. there is still one of that, the one of the the matches with the monkeys and the road warriors. I remember oh, watching I this. They, I think they broke one of their legs. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it, I mean, when it was on TV, I remember watching this. When the internet became a thing, I've watched it twenty times. They beat the shit out of the. I mean, the just. I mean, because these guys were like super albino white, and man, mm-hmm. they were red. I mean, you know, they were like. I mean, if anyone has never watched Road Warriors versus the Monkey Brothers in the NWA, I think it was. Uh, it was during the first Crockett Cup, so it would have been '86, maybe. Uh, yeah, the tag team, tag team uh, Crockett Cup. Yes, yeah. go check that out because I mean. They they totally devastate them. I mean, could you imagine wanting to be a jobber so bad that you've got to go in and face them? Because I mean, their finishing move, the Road Warriors, you know, hoist the guy up on the shoulders, other one, you know, get on clothesline him off the off the rope. They done a Milky Brother like this, and I mean, I thought his head was going to come flying off. I mean, Jesus. that is how. I mean, yeah, they could sell it because they were really hurting, but you know. That was oh, it. Was just mind blowing to watch. I mean, yeah, these they, guys take this punishment. Really have a choice. So, no, see, there's a little bit of the age difference. There. Like I, I started watching, and I was very young, like five, probably. So you're looking eighty seven, eighty eight. I started watching, and then by ninety, I was obsessed. Right. But I, I think for people my age, I'm probably different in that aspect. I was just like you guys, but I was more into the WCW days. It was right at that change over when that was starting. I love WCW. I love Flair. I love Sting. And then we also had Smoky Mountain down here. And they didn't oh, have Smoky yeah. Mountain everywhere. So I'd go every month to IGA, and IGA used to have actually, this is 
blow anybody's mind. And probably the age of 20, NGA actually used to have a, 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 a magazine section, remember, in our hometown, you know. And so I would go in there and get the rest of the magazine for a month. And tape trading was such a big thing. And nobody could get, you know, uh, Smoky Mountain except for us and, you know, Tennessee and down in that area. So it was easy to move tapes that was Smoky Mountains, even years after it went off the air. And the, my favorite probably run for Flair was Flair and Dusty Rhodes. And I seen that match on tapes, those matches on tapes. And it was weird because you'd seen this, you know, I didn't understand what I was looking at at the time, but you'd see two or three different tapes from two or three different cities' TVs, and it was the same damn match. 60-minute Broadway, same finish, same everything, you know, because they were doing this mm-hmm. 100 days in a row before they got a big payoff at a pay-per-view. And I didn't get that at the time, but I would see a lot of those matches. And one match I seen on on one of those tapes that you can find now. I think it's on the network, on WWE Network now. If not, it's online because I've watched it since then. You guys have mentioned Piper. It's that Piper, Greg the Hammer Valentine. Uh, dog, dog collar. Man. Oh, that's a yes. good one. Man, it was such a that's good a good one. That is a good one. Uh, I mean, they don't have old school entertainment like that anymore. I mean, honestly, and I've not watched. I've never. What's the new federation The that they have? You got the WWF and AEW. I've never watched one episode of AEW. I tried it. The only person that I could tell you that was in there uh, is the Jungle Boy. Because, you know, when Luke Perry passed away, they were talking about how his uh, son, Jungle Boy, was going to be an upcoming wrestler for this, you know. So, yeah. That's the only reason. Yep, that is Luke Perry's son. Um, I, I quit when Flair retired the first time. I can't remember. That was early 2000s. I, I basically mm-hmm. quit. And he should have stayed retired. You know, he came out and cried. Michaels and him had an amazing match at at uh, um, WrestleMania. And I quit for a long time. Now, he, uh, Rusty had mentioned Abyss earlier, who, oddly enough, same height, basically about the same weight and a, a similar hairstyle, nothing else, to, to Bruiser Brody. But I found TNA. And very early on in TNA, after I'd kind of quit watching wrestling, you had AJ Styles, you you had uh, Abyss, which you, you you had a lot of new guys, Samoa Joe, had a lot of really talented guys. I got back into that for a decent little stretch there until they brought in Hogan and Bischoff and, and ruined that federation as well. And uh, <laughs> that was probably into wrestling for me. I, 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 I love documentaries. I love old matches. I love talking about it and talking about old But I've tried both of the products now, WWE, uh, AEW. There was a point where um, whatever their, like, secondary brand, uh, Next, NXT or whatever, it almost brought me back. They were doing the war game gimmick. You know, they were doing that pay-per-view. It almost brought me back. And then they they did everything they could and screwed it up, too. So I can't can't get into it anymore. uh, I can... I can totally understand that. Uh, I had to limit send me a text here. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd personally stepped away from it a couple of times. I want to say that probably right around uh, probably the late 90s, I'd stepped away and just it w- kind of lost interest in what was going on. And I didn't really get back into it again until uh, like my son was probably five or six. And he, I mean, my kids were like, you know, they were into it. Hell, I've probably spent several thousand dollars on wrestlers over the years. <laughs> you know, same. The same. little toy wrestlers and stuff that, that they would collect. And then uh, as a product of that, you know, segueing into that stuff, I've, you know, I've taken my son to uh, a few 
uh, live matches and things like that when they were into it. And then in recent years, like clearly, I mean, I have uh, no interest in it at all. I'm more interested in the probably the history and reliving the old days, the stuff that we're talking about. Like I couldn't tell you anything that's going on with it probably in the past 10 years. Same. So Same here. Yeah. Um, not to get off topic, I'm going to ask you guys this, and we'll get back to Bruiser Brody really quick. Uh, Rusty, we'll start with you. You're the special guest. Top three managers. Your top three managers. Top three managers. Yes, sir. Uh, I would have to say as number one would have to be Paul Ellering. Because I'm a huge Road Warriors fan, like no, uh, no uh, uh, surprise there. I would have to say behind that probably Percy Pringle, mm-hmm. uh, and in his iterations of uh, stuff that he did with the Undertaker. And the third one, man, I'd have to say is it's it's probably going to be real close. I, I'm going to have to say probably Jim Cornette uh, with all of the. I mean, he was just the. You just you love to see that dude get smacked around in there, you know. Anytime, like they were, you know that when they when they had that scaffold match and shit, and this guy was, you know, you knew what this was going to happen. I was so excited. This this Shy Town Heat is what it was. Night of the Skywalkers. Yeah, Night of the Skywalkers, man. And I mean, he got he got busted up in that when he fell off that. Yeah. Uh, both knees he lost at the same yeah, time. Shit. But I mean, Ooh. people love to see him get the shit beat out of him. So, I mean, the, I, I kind of listed those in, you know, people that I appreciated, that I supported. And then I, I would say probably the most charismatic and easiest to hate would be Cornette. You know, it, it, I mean, you could easily interchange him with number one. So, uh, depending on how you wanted to look at it. So. Definitely. Justin, what's your top three? Uh, Bowen, please turn everything off for just a moment. <laughs> My number one is Bobby the Brain, um, hands down, like that. Just I just love, and, and probably he's up there on my announcers too. <laughs> he really is. And and going back and looking at some of his old stuff when he was actually trying to compete, um, definitely puts him up there. Um, my number two, and this is where Bala needs to turn it off. I have to completely agree with Rusty and go Jim Cornette. Like you, you can't love to hate anybody more than Jim Cornette. And my number three, I, I'm going to say this because, like, I really think looking back now as an adult, like I didn't really like when when Savage had Elizabeth. Like that was a good run. Oh, mm-hmm. you know the whole deal with Hogan and stuff and the Mega Powers, but. What Sherry was able to do with Savage and what she was able to do, especially with Shawn Michaels, like I think I think sensational Sherry, scary Sherry, whatever you want to call her, Sherry, it's not Martell, Sherry, um, whatever her last name is. I, I really think she was probably a lot better than I gave her credit for as a kid. It's kind of thing she was annoying, and especially she was more than a valet. She actually felt like a manager. So uh because I'm I'm torn on that last one. I like there there's different guys I could have went with. Um I think the Road Warriors were better with Paul. I you know, um I think Paul Heyman did a fairly decent job as a as a heel manager. There's been a lot of people over time I think were good managers, but I think Sherry did a really good job. But Bobby the Brain and, and Jim Cornette are definitely my my top two. Those are some good ones. I'm going to uh I'm going to say number three is Jimmy Hart, uh, Jim Cornette, and then Bobby the Brain Heenan. There was just something, you know, and I love going back and seeing videos now of Bobby, you know, being like, and you can find a few of them online being real, you know, back when he's supposed to be this hated bad guy. And, you know, he was, 
you know, from what I have saw, some of these videos and stuff, he was a great guy, you know. For him, I can't remember which WrestleMania it was. I think it was the one, WrestleMania three, where he managed Andre against Hogan. Just mm-hmm. that one event, he paid his house off. Paid it off. And, you know, you talk about people uh, providing for their family. He kept doing it and traveled, you know, even though it would kill him to be away from his family, to take care of his family. And one event, one night, he paid his house off. And he told his wife something, sim- something to this effect that was, you know, hey, you know, they, no matter what happened, they would always have a place to live. They would have a roof over their head, you know. And I think it was in Tampa. It was, it was somewhere in Florida that he yeah, lived, lived, lived at the time. Yeah, I lived in Florida. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and paid it off. I mean, that's just because you wouldn't expect, you know, and keep in mind, like I said, you know, this is back in the day where people thought wrestling was real. An asshole like that manager weasel, you know, or you know, some of the stuff he's saying to, like, take, give a shit about his family. You know what I mean? So uh, not liking him so much when I was younger, thinking he's a jerk. To, you know, when I get older and I figure out there is a difference, just stories like that of him I think are great. You know, um, Jim Cornette, I mean, you know, he's a he's a, a Kentucky native. Funny as hell. That that Dairy Queen video, that is some <laughs> of the funniest stuff I have ever seen. If no one has ever saw the Dairy Queen video, it took place in the mid-90s in uh, Leslie County, Kentucky, which is, what, about an hour away from us, Justin, or a few hours away. Uh, yeah. You know, you had Jim Cornette. Chris Jericho, I think, was the one actually filming. Uh, Chris Candido and uh, no, Chris Candido and uh, Tammy were inside. You, you might have had Al Snow or somebody else in the car, but Jim Cornette, Dairy Queen drive through, the funniest stuff you've ever seen. Uh, what did you think about the Jim Cornette Dairy Queen drive through, Rusty, when you saw that? Uh, I can't say that I even recall it. I know what you're talking about. Okay. It's probably been so long ago since I watched okay. it. Okay. Uh, I, I tried to watch uh, Jim Cornette and with his uh, newer stuff that he does, and I, I kind of get um, – I enjoy the old stories and the yeah. wrestling stuff when he talks about that stuff, but he he's real quick to run you off with his – with his political stuff. Oh, and yeah. It gets, yeah. It gets to be a lot of concessions there. Yeah. Uh, I, ca- I did want to touch back on the, um, where you guys had mentioned Bobby the Brain Heenan. To me, I think Bobby's best work was uh, working in tandem with Gorilla Monsoon, you know, as an Hands down. Really. Yeah. I, I mean, I, that's really the, the biggest, uh, when I think of him, I think that was some of his best work, those guys going back and forth. And even some of the stuff that he did in WCW uh, as an announcer, that's why, I, I mean, I, I would think that he's more known for his commentary than he was as a manager, uh, in, in my view. And I think that really that's where he came into his own and was shining. I mean, the guy had been around forever, uh, you know, and, and it was in a lot of like his health issues and stuff that became public later on, you know, uh, really bad that, you know, you feel bad for the guy going out that way. But, yeah. uh, you know, I think a lot of his is the best stuff that he did, <laughs> you know, they got people more engaged uh, than with the, the management gimmick was just his commentary. I think that's where he really shined. Yeah. He, I, I agree that. That's where I found him. I like, you know, because of my age, like I found him as an announcer. But I mean, you know, doing commentary and stuff, it wasn't until after that that I kind of got to see more, especially like the AWA stuff back with Ganya. And that, that to me was when his manager skills and his in ring was really big. But 
to me, you know, there's two or three people that like when they do what they do for a living, they do it extremely well. And like, um, there's a stand-up comedian named Jim Norton. I, I'm not a big fan of Jim Norton's stand-up, but I listen to him on Opie and Anthony. He's got a show now, I think, Jim and Sam. I don't really listen to it as much. To me, in a conversation, being funny, just quick whips coming back, he is the best at it ever. Like, he is hilarious. And to me, that's what Bobby the Brain Heenan was as an announcer. Like, he just, you've got to pay attention to what he's saying because you'll miss some of the best lines. Piper was the same way. Piper, and I think Piper, and I know he did it early on. He didn't wrestle as much early on. He did it, you know, there was a stretch there. That he did, I think, some manager, managerial work. But I think it, later on in his career, Piper would have made a much better manager for somebody that needed a mouthpiece. And and Heenan and the Heenan family, I always liked. But you're probably right. I'm probably giving him more credit for that announcer career than I am that manager's career. I just, you know, I, I associate him with both. But that's definitely where I fell in love with him, Matt, was announcing. Yeah, and all, all you ham and eggers out there. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. His line. yeah. Yep, yep, definitely. Uh, going back to, to uh, Bruiser Brody. Um, he died. Yeah, oh, dude, you, dude, you're you're an asshole, man. You're an asshole. Next, you, and I'm not. I'm not even gonna say the, the other part. But going back to him, um, I told you guys a story a little bit earlier that uh, the Gonzalez had uh, said that you know um, he would get or he would uh, kill him one day. Um, he allegedly told that to S.D. Jones, Special Delivery Jones, who was in the old Memphis territory. Um, a lot um, is who he told that to, but you know, let's move forward just a little bit to the to to the trial. Why do you think that Gonzalez was found uh, not guilty? Uh, you know, because he pleaded self defense, um, which you know, I know it's a different country, and there's a lot of stuff that behind the scenes that we probably never will know about that. But, you know, uh, I think it was Rusty that said, you know, or it might have been you, Justin, that the uh, subpoenas uh, for the uh, American wrestler's testimony came days later after it was already over. Uh, jury del jury uh, uh, deliberation lasted less than an hour. So how do you think that, you know, he got off? He got found uh, not guilty. Well, I think that, I mean, clearly, I think they were very selective with the evidence that was allowed in and uh, what they presented to that jury. Uh, they had no intention of, of convicting him at all. I mean, you could see some of the people that, uh, and I don't recall the names, but I remember people talking about it, that they would give their account of it and be quickly dismissed right. by the person they were giving the account of it to, you know, because they, they weren't interested in the truth or, or anything to, to muddy up what the, this was all... Um, it was set in motion and they, they, they knew this guy was going to get off. So, I mean, I, I truly believe that clearly with the, the premeditated issue. I mean, in, I, I would love to believe in, in, uh, here in the States, if that had took place, it would, it would be hard to ignore that. You know, I mean, I would think you, a jury couldn't get past that portion of it. Like, why does the man have a knife like that in a shower, you know, to have a conversation with someone, yeah. you know, it, it would get you straight to the point of, Hey, listen, he, he he was intending to do some harm to this individual. It's premeditated. I don't see how you, you'd let him get off. No sane jury uh, is going to see that as a self-defense issue. So, 
What's your thoughts, Justin? I, I, I first thing, like I think it's kind of like that perfect storm. One, I would think probably the only side of the story that got told was the side that you know the people representing Carlos wanted told, told and, and yeah, the people that was representing Jose, uh, was Jose wanted yes. wanted out there, and you know without counter arguments, you know, coming from the American wrestlers who didn't get a chance to come. That's one thing. Another thing is is how big wrestling was there in, mm-hmm. in that culture, in that country. One, like you said, not only is there this work version, you know, in this gimmick version of who Bruiser Brody is, there's a pretty good history of shoot <laughs> experiences yeah. of people, th- you know, and even if it wasn't real, the character was perceived to being very violent, you know, very uh, uncontrollable. So I, I say a lot of the jury really viewed him as that. They viewed him right. as who his character was. Right. And then also, you know, um, if you went to Memphis in the 80s and tried to trial, tried to take Jerry the King Lawler to trial for liking little girls, which I'd say there's a lot of evidence he does, you wouldn't have won. And mm-hmm. so you're not going to go down there and and take, uh, you know, businessmen and promoters in what is the biggest promotion in that territory to court and have a lot of luck. You know, and, and that plays a big role in it. And basically what you just said, you know, in short, is what Dutch Mantel basically said. And I was already thinking this, you know, and, and was going to uh, express this on the show when I came across Dutch's interview uh, about it. You know, you're right. People thought, you know, during this time, wrestling was real. Uh, people were scared of Bruiser Brody. You know, he would come out slinging a chain. He would jump into the audience and people would flee, you know. Because they were scared of him. And you get a jury in there, and you're telling them this, and the guys claim self-defense. You know, it's their home. They they have the home court advantage. You know, plus, like you just said, you know, uh, the uh, Invader 1 was highly respected at, at that time. You know. Yeah, Invader 2, people hated. He was a piece of shit. But Invader 1, they loved. I don't Invader even know who uh, Invader 2 was. So, I don't know if that existed. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think that that has a lot to do with it. And some people claim in different articles that Bruiser was a, re- was a shit in real life. He was a real-life bully and that, you know, he, I guess, was really mean to some people and that karma caught up with him. Uh, you know, that's what, no, the articles that claim that are few and far between, but those are out there as well. You know, um, what's your thoughts on that? Your guys thoughts on that? Well, I would think that probably, you know, the mileage is going to vary person to person, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, with his reputation of being such a shrewd businessman and going in and out of these territories, uh, you know, I mean, there's no doubt there's enough uh, enough stories out there to say, hey, yeah, he was a little bit difficult to work with, uh, which would tell me that he was, you know, uh, pretty set on getting what he wanted to get at right. this time. You know, so, I mean, you could there's always two sides to every story, you know, and I'm sure that a dude that's, is, you know, making the, making his money the way that he makes it physically imposing, living that gimmick that he had, you know, sure. I mean, I'm. I would have no problem believing that, you know, he might have used that to his advantage uh, to persuade people. You know, I can see that being very believable. Justin, what, uh, what's your thoughts on that? 
I, I agree with that. And I think Rusty was right earlier in saying, like, I think if that trial happened in the U.S. in the same way with yeah. equal, you know, with equal opportunity for everybody to testify, I don't think he gets off on on uh, self defense charges. I, I, you know, maybe manslaughter, maybe something, you know, maybe not outright murder, even though it appears really appears that that's what it was. I, I don't think the this was a real bad guy uh, defense would have worked as well for one. Right. And another thing, like I don't think that home field advantage, like you said, would have been there. Um, but. Yeah, to be honest with you, especially at that time, not just in wrestling, but in, in almost anything else, in a pre-internet era era where, you know, Bruiser, Bruiser Brody would have never had the opportunity to somebody like, oh, this is like The Undertaker. Okay, we understand that wrestling's fake, and he's not right. really killing people. But there is a segment of the population who may think, well, this guy's a bad guy because he's played a bad guy his whole life. But, you know, with inside stuff and backstage stuff, you know, if if it was considered more true like it was back then, you know, he dude does stand-up comedy now. Like, you know, he he's a fun, you know, nice guy. There was nothing out there to put that out for Brody because of kayfabe. He was not going to break kayfabe, and none, you know, like even Dutch Mantel probably wasn't going to break kayfabe in the press and go, "Oh man, he was just a beautiful human being." Even if he was, because that's how much kayfabe meant to them at that time, you know. So, I think in in a different in a different setting and with equal opportunity, I think it would have been a different outcome, definitely. But I, you know, Dutch Mantel, I seen a comment from Outer Limits. Thought it was a setup mm-hmm. uh, trial, and I I would say I don't even know if they had to set it up. It was a home run. It was a perfect storm. They they, they it would have been hard for them to lose. Now, uh, true Texan, I'll get your guys' comment on this here real quick. And we'll start wrapping it up. Uh, Fritz von Eric and his sons ruled the roost in Dallas Fort Worth area. Uh, you know when true Texan was a kid. That's a family that was struck by tragedy over and over and over again. Um, they were, I mean, they were great. I mean, just, uh, imagine having a whole family like that, you know, in the family business. And, um, I think there's a movie about one of them out or coming out, uh, coming out. Yeah. which one was it? I know it's the one that always wrestled barefoot is the one that the movie's about. Was it's that? About Curry, isn't it? It's about Curry. Curry, Curry? just quit okay. wrestling. He quit wrestling barefoot. He lost his leg. No, I'm thinking right. Uh, or not? No, 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 no. It's it's he, uh, it's he, not he about lost a, He lost a foot in a motorcycle yeah. accident, yeah. and he was able to uh, keep that concealed in his. And I think there's one. There's a story of it. I've never seen the video. I don't believe, or maybe I have, and I just forgotten. But basically, no one knew. Like Kerry, one he'd had a he had a motorcycle accident, and he wanted to keep it under wraps. He had a prosthetic in his boot. And I think something had happened during a match and it like started to flop. It didn't come off. Right. But he, he'd lost whatever seating it was on it and kind of had to bail out of the, out of the match. But for the longest time, people didn't really know that. Um, I want to yeah, say the one. WWF. Yeah. The, the WWF. Run. I want to say the one that was wrestling barefoot uh, might've been Mike. Was it Mike? Mike. Mark, maybe. Possibly. I think so. Uh, yeah, now Carrie did too. Barefoot. Carrie didn't yellow trunks. Blonde hair, the really skinny one. Uh, I mean, I don't think any the of them one that was skinny. I mean, they're barefoot. <laughs> the, 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 you know, yeah, yellow trunks. Youngest, yeah. so. youngest brother might have looked like he was 120 pounds. So like, he was the one that yeah. they didn't think would make it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. because of his size, and he was probably the better wrestler. But now he's the one that died in Japan. Okay. 
Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, so. you know, uh, that's just a tragedy. I mean, oh, it struck that family. I mean, that was just sad. I mean, really sad. Um, I'm excited for that movie. I think that's going to be a good movie. And it's, like I said, it's such it's such a complex story from the suicides to the drug overdoses and all that. Like, so many kids, like, that's going to be, a, it, it's a story that needs to be told. But I'll say this, and somebody mentioned it in the chats way earlier, and it may have been True Texan. Like, the Von Erichs were really, they were good mat technicians. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they had a good set of all that. But I'll tell you what really helped them, and this, this is something I think a lot of people overlook, with with a lot of wrestlers is you know, I would say Dusty Rhodes really helped Ric Flair and definitely the Freebirds really helped the Von Erics. Like they really pushed them over the top. You're not froze. You're just sitting still. Good. Oh no, 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 brother. I'm fine. I'm just I, I was looking at the comments. I had the wheels turning and stuff here. Uh, I do want to say really quick, just throw this out about Brody. It's some unknown facts that um in 1968, he quickly signed on with the Washington Redskins uh, practice squad. Um, while he was on the practice squad for three seasons, he met and was coached by legend, uh, legendary coaches uh, Otto Graham, Vince Lombardi, and George Allen. I just think that that's really cool that, you know, he was a good enough football player. He made the made the practice squad of the Washington Redskins. Um, Iron Claw is the name of the movie. I am going to show a uh, video that Limits sent me. He said that it was – tell us again really quick, Limits, what this video is. This is your last uh, promo that you cut and so forth. And uh, while I'm waiting on Limits to do that, Rusty, um, I would love to have you back on the show, maybe November, December, to talk about okay. Jimmy Snooker. And Oh, okay. Because he – Got away with murder his entire life. Some some people think, and that's when you uh, called me out, Justin, and I was froze. I was like, "Hmm, Jimmy Snuka," you know that. But I would love to have you back on to talk about that, you know, and you know uh, we yeah, can. I would. Uh, I'd love to do it. I I mean, you know, this is this has been awesome. You know, this is. I feel like a ten or eleven year old kid. That my mom's just beat me up. Uh, talking about wrestling and stuff, but uh, well, she was going to beat you up earlier. Right? Yeah, yeah. We're, trying, we're trying to get that going. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. Thanks, both of you assholes. But uh, if Bobby was, if Bobby was still our friend, he would be great on episodes like this because he loves wrestling, and yeah. I tried to get him started wrestling podcast with me forever. But he yeah, but us. hey, man, uh, you know, well, you know, we only have so much time. I'm I'm just joking, Bobby. We love you. But, uh, Rusty, thank you again very much, my friend, for coming on. I have loved this. I have – I mean, this has been great. Um, thank everyone for watching. We do have Rusty's video that he starts his podcast uh, and YouTube streams uh, starts his out with, taking us out this week. Uh, so stick around for that. Uh, Rusty, again, thank you. Is there anything you want to say in uh, closing? Oh yeah, just uh, it's it's been a good time, and thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I, you know, it's good to get to uh, talk to some like-minded people and and kind of go back in time and relive some of this stuff. Uh, hopefully, I stayed on topic for you, and hopefully, it was a good time. Ah, but yeah, I'd love to come love. back and do this. I think that the the snooker thing would be good. I mean, uh, with the whole uh, the girl and stuff that died yep. near him or around him, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And he so, even yeah, that's a good stuff for future episodes. Yeah, oh yeah. Justin, anything you want to say before we start wrapping this stuff up, brother? 
Thank you so much, Rusty. I, I've had a great time today. I, it was great having you on here. Um, it looks like Goose's head is on top of Bruiser Brody's body, and I've looked at that all day. And it's pretty nice. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's pretty nice. Um, you wait next time, yeah. Justin. I'll have a woman over here in a bikini and have your head over on her. So. I would like that. I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to see. Hey, buddy, I'm working with that AI picture stuff. I can make that possible. So. <laughs> but uh, everyone be sure to, to uh, check out uh, Rusty's YouTube page uh, youtube.com backslash uh, at sign Rusty Truck 4810 and as always thanks to our lovely show producer Lucy check her out and support uh, LNR Crafts and Things at uh, etsy.com backslash shop backslash LNR Crafts and Things